Today's reading is from the book of Acts 20, verses 17 to 38. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One that really moved you, maybe even to tears. Maybe you came to Vancouver from your home country to study, and you've had to leave some friends and family behind. Maybe you've left your home country, your family, your friends, maybe to come here for a better future, as my father and mother did some 50 years ago. Uh, maybe you are serving as a global worker or a missionary, and as we abide by the principle of investing in local leaders, and once they're under strong foothold, then the agency usually deploys you to another area of field. As sometimes we neglect the emotional and relational investment of our local international workers. <clears throat> or maybe you're at a point in your life in which you needed a change. You took a step of faith, you came out to BC, loved the beautiful West Coast. Or maybe you didn't even move at all. 
but someone you were particularly fond of or respected or appreciated was the one who left and you remained. But those moments can result in heartfelt, tearful goodbyes as well. Transitions and farewells, I think in this global world and global economy, our modern life is a given. You know, gone are the days in which someone's going to live here for 40, 50 years and in one job for 25 years or something like that. And saying farewell to family, church, or friends is going to be a part of our lives. For me, I have a combination of all of those above. Now, my parents moved from Hong Kong to Canada. Although I didn't have any hard farewells, I was only seven at that time. But I'm sure they did. They were in the mid-30s, leaving their family and friends to come here to Canada. I've moved from Ontario to Vancouver in 1996 and never looked back. <laughs> One of the best decisions of my life. But I did say farewell to some really, really good friends back in Toronto. Uh, but most recently, just about, maybe about four years ago, I had a significant um, farewell without moving out of the city at all. I had to say farewell to my previous church after about four and a half years of ministry. Some of you know the general contours of my story, but after serving at my previous church for about four years, I felt the Lord telling me that I didn't have the giftedness or the skill set or the personality, and probably a combination of all the above, to really continue in the role as a lead pastor of that church. So over a couple of months, I carefully thought and I carefully prayed about this. And then when I was pretty sure that this is what God was saying, I went to the church leadership board and I shared with them what I thought God was saying to me. I offered a step down for them to find another pastor who may be a better fit for the role. I mean, things weren't a disaster, but it just wasn't growing. And in those four years, I made some really, really good friends, which I still keep in touch with. I grew as a pastor. I grew as a person. Hopefully, if you talk to some of them, none of them would say it was a disaster. Uh, we were on very respectful and cordial terms. And so I offered to stay until they could find a replacement pastor, and then I would leave. So the, all of the process took about six months. Uh, we carried on. And when the church found the next pastor, I got myself ready to leave. Started to pack my books in the office. And at that time, I didn't have a safety net. I did not have another church all lined up. I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of finalizing my arrangements with St. Paul's to do some work and learning. Um, the church had a farewell dinner. Lots of nice things were said. And I thought long and hard about what I would say to them in my farewell or parting words. I think I managed to hold it back together. Like, I didn't cry in public. But I'll be honest, in those quieter moments, there was without a doubt a kind of heavy sadness mixed with fondness for what ended up as four and a half years of ministry there. Friends, if you ask me what was one of the best things about serving the living God, I'd have to say hands down, that it is the meeting the amazing people that I met along the way. 
the way that they have shaped me as a person and as a pastor, helped me to grow, and the opportunity to have some small input into their spiritual lives. I don't know if there's anything better. But as difficult as tearful and heartfelt farewells are, I think it would be a sadder commentary of my life if I reflected back on it and had no emotional or heartfelt farewells. Right? To me, it would reflect the kind of quality of relationships that I've had. Now, that would be truly sad and tragic, wouldn't it? Well, today we come to a part of the story of Acts in which Paul has this kind of a deep, heartfelt, emotional farewell with the leaders of Ephesians, the church of Ephesus. By the time we reach Acts 20, Paul has already spent three years in Ephesus planting the church, discipling the Christians that are there, forming the elders and the leaders. And as a missionary often does, once the church was on somewhat of a sure, good foundation, then they would entrust it to the locals. And in this case, Paul departed for his next assignment given to him by the Holy Spirit. You'll also recall that at this time, uh, the Ephesus church was Paul's pride and joy. He was like a beaming parent when he wrote about them. Now, it wasn't perfect, um, because a little bit later on, he's going to discharge or send Timothy to be the pastor of the Ephesus church. And by then, First and Second Timothy, you begin to realize there were beginning to be issues that he had to address. Um, a couple of years after 20, Acts 20, that's where Paul sends um, Timothy in those two pastoral epistles, which you may be familiar with, First and Second Timothy. But you heard the portion read today by um, Ali. Paul was on his way to Jerusalem, and he stopped at a place called Miletus. Now, the reason why Paul was going back to Jerusalem was that he was taking an offering in the Gentile churches in the Roman Empire. And as an act of love and demonstration of the Gentiles' churches' appreciation and respect for the churches in Jerusalem, he was going to bring to them this offering, a tangible gift to demonstrate to them their appreciation and their respect for the Jerusalem church. So that's where Paul was heading. He was going to Jerusalem. He stops in Miletus. And then while he's there, he sends a message to the people in Ephesus. He says, I'm dropping by around that area, and I would love to see you. Now, the distance between Miletus and Ephesus is about 60 miles, which would be kind of like if I said to you, hey, I'm dropping by to Chilliwack, to you those who live in Metro Vancouver, would you like to have lunch or something there? And even with cars and highways, Chilliwack is quite an investment, right? Imagine what it's like in first century. But it's the Apostle Paul, what are you going to do? Like He's calling for you. Like, I'm sure the feelings were mutual. I thought, I'm sure the elders would love to make that trek to go see their founding pastor, Paul. So that's what we're uh, seeing here in Acts 20. That's what's happening. And then Paul, in his speech to them, which we heard, is his words to the Ephesians elder. I was much to really say and reflect on the content of what Paul says to the Ephesians church. 
um, he's meeting them maybe about a year, year and a half after he's been there for three years. These are the words of the founding pastor to the lay leaders of Ephesus Church. And as such, I mean, if we just take one step broader, it's appropriate things for anyone to consider in ministry responsibilities and leadership, right? I see at least five themes. You might be able to deter, uh, discern more. But there's a theme of humility that's in there, preaching that is helpful, finishing the race well, keep watch over yourself and the flock, the encouragement to be faithful and to stay strong, and then lastly, a warning about false doctrines. Uh, we won't be able to touch on all five of those, um, but if you do have a chance to reflect and look back on this passage, you can think back about some of these things. But I just want to maybe touch on a couple or a few, as time allows me. Um, Acts 20, verses 18 says, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility. So it's obvious, I think, Paul says that. He's encouraging the elders to serve one another with a sense of humility. It is very important that leaders serve with humility. It, it would seem obvious, and you know that, but it's harder said than done. And it's not something that you have learned once and seem to have conquered and then not have to deal with ever again. It's not true. In fact, if you ask me, I think serving with humility gets more and more difficult as the journey progresses. As you accomplish or as you get some experience and as you learn more things, as you develop respect, it gets harder and harder to serve with humility. And the most challenging lesson of humility seems to come further down the journey. As you take on maybe higher levels of leadership, responsibility, and power. Um, we need to take this, I think, with a sense of seriousness and importance. Because spiritual pride has led to the fall of many Christian leaders. We need to be careful of pride and to serve with humility. One of the ways that I find that it creeps up in me is that after 30 plus of years of ministry, I tend to think I know what the solution is. You know? I think I know what the most effective way to get things done. And the temptation for me is to offer unsolicited advice, free of course, to anyone who wants it, who are a little bit younger, and it's a form of pride. It's also forgetting that a lot of times in ministry, what I learned, I had to go through trial and error. And honestly, learning from your mistake, it's a better teacher than me telling you, hey, this is what you should do. So humility for me as I pass my mid-50s actually is to practice restraint. It's to wait until someone actually asks you for your opinion. I would invite you to consider this and what it means to serve and lead with humility, especially as you further down the road 
of ministry and Christian service. Have some trusted friends whom you can ask and receive feedback and input. And it's especially at that moment when you think that pride is not an issue for me, it's exactly then that this becomes an issue. So be on your guard against pride, spiritual pride, and let us serve the Lord with one another in humility. Paul also talks about this idea of finishing the race well in verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me, and my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the new good, good news of God's grace. And again, as I journey with God in over probably three decades, I really do appreciate Paul's comment on finishing the race well. And the importance and the challenge of this becomes more and more evident, I think, as you grow in your Christian um, journey. I, like you, I'm delighted when somebody makes a profession of faith or get baptized, which we traditionally use as markers to start the journey. But I am moved, encouraged, and inspired more so when I see a saint who has walked with Jesus for 50, 60, 70, or more years and finished the race well. And I've met a lot here at FBC. Uh, some of you participate in that ev uh, events. What does DNF mean when you do a cycling event or a running event? Did not finish. Yeah. It's disappointing when you join an event, a run or a cycling thing, and you don't finish. You know, you have a uh, you need to pull muscle or something. Uh, what do you think is more important, starting the race or finishing the race? So Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He says his only aim. You know, it's important for us to finish well, friends. Right? Uh, the road is littered with people who started but haven't finished. May that be said of every one of us here today that we finish the race well. In 2028, he says, keep watch over yourself and the shepherds of the flock, encouragement to be faithful. So encourage the Ephesians leaders and the elders to watch over themselves and then be overseers and shepherds of the church. Okay? So the theme of shepherding and caring, Psalm 23, I'm also reminded of uh, Jesus and Peter's final conversation at the beach where Jesus gave him the charge to feed my sheep. Please note the charge here is both to keep watch over yourself and the shepherds to the flock. So keep watch over yourself and be shepherds to the flock. So I take that to mean guard your own spiritual life so that you're able to shepherd the flock out of a rich and deep life in Christ. I know many pastors and lay leaders who hear the second part be shepherds of the flock. But somehow in the process, they push themselves to the point in which their soul is dry and they're running on fumes. 
So it's a very good reminder for those of us in any area of ministry, you know, whether you're a connection group leader, whether you're a youth, youth volunteer, whether you're on the worship team, preachers, CLT, to really invest in your own spiritual nourishment and life so that you can minister out of that richness. Because it gradually becomes obvious to anyone when a leader is ministering out of an empty tank versus ministering out of a richness or the depth of his own life. When you're driving your car and it hits the red line and it's not empty, that's a recipe for disaster in the spiritual life. So please, let's pay close attention to our own spiritual life and develop good habits or ways to deepen our life in Christ so that we can serve out of that. There are a lot more to consider. Um, there are a couple of things that I didn't get a chance to address, but I'm not going to give you free advice. If you're interested, you can ask me later. <laughs> but I do want to return to the theme of the meaningful and tearful farewells because that's what really struck me in this particular passage. I found that laughter, happiness, and good times are fine. But if your experience is anything like mine, the most meaningful, deepest, best things in life are bittersweet. Often sadness is intertwined with a deep sense of joy. Feelings of loss accompanied by hope. Tears, but yet you feel thankful or blessed. And when I think back to those hard emotional goodbyes and farewells, I can't explain it, as difficult as it is, because I, I understand them to be part of life. They capture and summarize, I think, some of life's most rewarding moments about serving God, the relationships and the people that we've met along the way. You know, sometimes as pastor, we enter into a pastor congregant relationship, and it becomes mutual. You know, I learn from the congregant, and hopefully they learn from me. And in the process, we mutually sharpen one another. We deepen another one's spiritual life. And I am who I am today, really because of the cumulative experiences of my past experiences and the people that I've met. And you have seen that to be so, I know. That you might come as a connection group leader to your members, but we're formed by one another. You may serve as a youth volunteer, but the youths and children, they teach us about lessons of life. There is this really beautiful, uh, well-known quote by the poet, Lord Alfred Tennyson. And uh, he writes this, it's better to have love and loss than to never have loved at all. It's beautiful. He's an English poet. Now, like so many good quotes, it gets ruined sometimes because we automatically Uh, associated with romantic love between a man and woman. So it might be true in that case. You know how sometimes couples take 1 Corinthians 13 and use it for weddings? It might be true, but that's not really the original context. So this quote from Lord Tennyson has often been associated with a heartbreak after a breakup or a love interest. But it was actually written about the author's best friend who passed away while he was abroad. In that excerpt, he says, I hold it true, whatever befall, I feel it when I sorrow most. It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Right? The beauty of serving God and being involved in the kingdom work is without a doubt 
the kind of people that you meet. And when we get to know the person, we invest in their life, we're caring for them, we're sharing, we're discipling, and they enter into your life and you enter into their life, it's one of the best things. I don't want to romanticize everything because not everyone you serve alongside will become your best friend. Uh, But two things I do want to say is this, that for most people, we interact with a large number of people. And really, um, we connect deeply with maybe uh, less than one hand. You can count the people that are intimate and really, really close. But this has to be one of the most rewarding, I think, aspects of serving God, inspiring people. I could go on and on. Uh, secondly, I have also found that the most difficult people that I serve alongside with, say the one or two out of ten, as frustrating or as trying as I may be at that moment, I almost always see that person's sincerity in wanting the best for the church and to honor God. It may not be the way that I would want to do it, but I appreciate and respect their love for God. And even in those difficult situations, and I look back on them, if I practice humility, I can learn something about that, and I can give thanks. So don't tell me that Paul, with his abrasive type A personality, didn't ruffle some feathers in Ephesus, or that some elders in Ephesus gave him a hard time. As pastors, we're, we're really, um, I don't know what to say, we're a real strange bunch of people. I know I've been hanging around with them for decades now, um, there's one verse in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 in which uh, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God is the one who made it grow. I've really gravitated towards that verse because as pastor, you never know how long you have with a congregant. Sometimes you're called to plant a seed, sometimes you're called to water it, but ultimately God is the one who makes it grow. And as a pastor, sometimes you plant the seed and you have to let someone else water it, right? You have to pass the person or the congregant to someone else. Uh, Pastors, we all have a shelf life. Yeah, that's true. But so long as I have the opportunity to serve with you here at FBC, I'm going to give it my 100%. Justin would like 110, but I'm just going to give 100 Because one day in the future, and that day will come somehow, someday, eventually, even if it is retirement, I want to look back with the time that I've had here at FBC, serving with people like Justin and Joseph and, and the whole staff and other pastors and Ben and etc. I want to look back with fondness and appreciation and heartfelt memories of serving the living God alongside these people and with you. So my invitation to you is to think about this today, that if there's anything that you might consider or be inspired to do differently today, to invest in today, so that when that moment comes, it will be a heartfelt, meaningful, maybe even a tearful goodbye. Is there something or somewhere or some industry that you can invest in today so that tomorrow or tomorrow's down the line, you look back on this particular time and be thankful for the people that you served with. May the fondness, the love, and the appreciation that Paul had for the Ephesian church 
and they had for him be true for each and every one of us here today as part of the FBC community. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.